0: Hello, and welcome to the First Prez Mommy Podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Jason Armstrong uses the Book of Ezra to consider how we worship and serve God under different circumstances. Let's hear today's message. When I was the youth pastor of the church, I would take kids each summer, junior high kids each summer, to a camp. And as you can imagine, we would have a a van full of 7th graders, 6th graders, 8th graders drive a, a long distance, get to a camp, and once the kids got out of those vans, they wanted to run and play and have fun and be loud. And the camp, of course, always allowed for the students to do that for a bit then they would gather them together more constructively and maybe play a game or two maybe sing a sing or two song or two but there would be a moment in that first couple hours once the plane is done and the energy is kind of energy level has been reduced a little bit for the junior high kids that they would have a time of seriousness a camp leader would come up before the students and say okay here are the rules you got to have rules at camp, right, especially for junior high students. Those are good things. So one of the ways they would express a, a particular rule is they would talk about how sleeping spaces and living spaces and private spaces, boys and girls, were not to mix in those spaces. So the way they would describe that during the week is they would say, well, girls are pink and boys are blue, and if you mix the two together, that makes purple. So they have this phrase that maybe some of you are familiar with. They would say, this week there will be no purpling. No mixing of the colors. <laughs> now, my first reaction to that was, that's a good thing. But my second reaction as an art student was, pink and blue don't make purple. <laughs> so, what makes purple? Blue and what? Red. Red. Red's right. So, but I wanted to use that illustration this, this morning. Because as we enter into Advent, as we, or we're in Advent, as we enter into this text today, at the end of the text it talked about sounds of weeping and shouts of joy. So I thought maybe using color today would help us understand those two feelings, those two emotions. So blue will be the sound of weeping, red will be the shouts of joy, Now, in our experience, I think, in our culture is we tend to try to keep those two separated. But we'll see in our text today that that's not the case. When God calls you, when God stirs up your soul, there's going to be times of weeping and times of shouting of joy, but they'll happen at the same time, and they'll, they'll create this color purple. And wherever we sit in that red or blue situation, We see in our text today that we're to worship God. Remembering God's praises and thanksgiving, God's ability, God will never leave us. His covenantal love will be certain in all circumstances. But as we enter into our text, a little background about what's going on today. So the Babylonian Empire... The Babylonian Empire started conquering Judah and Jerusalem in about 605 B.C. The final destruction of Jerusalem and the temple happened in 586 B.C. At that time, many of the leaders and the skilled laborers they were they were sent off into exile into Babylon. And the reason that the Babylonians, Babylonians did this to take the skilled folks away and put them in exile, partly I think, was for their own economy to improve. That they had their skill. You can imagine moving tech people around these days, people who are in tech, but also to ensure as much as possible that the people of Judah would not have the ability to revolt. We move forward to 539 BC and the, the Persian Empire comes along and they'd overthrow Babylon. And in this, in this overthrowing, the king at the time of Persia is the king named Cyrus, And he makes a decree that we read about that the Jewish people can go back to their homeland. They can rebuild the temple. And this action that King Cyrus takes, I don't want to lose the immensity, God's hand in this. If we go to the book of Isaiah, we actually see this event prophesied. In Isaiah 45 13, it says this I will raise up Cyprus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price of reward, says the Lord Almighty. So what has been prophesied is now coming true. What's interesting this morning is that God has decided to take his action upon Cyrus. It says that he moved his heart. This Hebrew word also means to stir up, to rouse, to to incite to activity. God is using Cyrus to to fulfill his promises as an agent of his. He's fulfilling the promises he made to his people, to Judah and Jerusalem. Remember that three generations ago, he declared in Jeremiah 25 that indeed, Judah would be conquered by Babylon. Their generational sin and their continually turning from God made this happen. They'd be in exile for 75, 70 years. In Jeremiah 29, God promises to bring the people back. Jeremiah 10, 12. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. So this incredible scene of God's hand working in the history of the Jewish people. Having a stirring up a foreign king to bring about his promises and his will. To bring them back, to send the Jewish people back to Babylon, and to provide for them as well, it says in our text. Gold and silver, cattle, food. And As we have been in the Old Testament all fall, I wonder if you can correlate this story with another story in the Old Testament. What story of a foreign king, God acting on a foreign king and having the king release his people and provide for them, what story does that remind you of? Exodus, 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 yes. So we see that again. God's providence, God's will, God's action. It's always in the story. In Ezra 1.5, that that verse actually isn't in the lectionary if if you're tightly going by it. But I thought that that verse is extremely important, so I added it to our text for the week. Because the wording and how God acted on the people, his people, is the same as the wording when he acted on Cyrus. Again, God moved the heart. God stirred up the spirit. Last week we talked about, I think it was last week we talked about the word ruah, for spirit. That same word is in this text this week. This idea of spirit, God's stirring all that up. God's causing things to happen. God's causing people to move. So of course, the people, they're getting ready to go. God stirs up their souls. It says that the leaders and the priests and the Levites and all the heads of the families are getting prepared to go, to go and re-inhabit the land of Judah and rebuild the temple. So God's plan is falling into place. God's plans always do, don't they? Well, I want to take a minute to consider what the, people of Jew, the Jewish people in Babylon are thinking and what they're going through as their hearts are stirred by God. So if you think about this, 70 years, if a person was sent into exile with their family when they're very small, or maybe they were born right after the exile, they would have grown up in Babylon, they would have seen their children have children, they would have seen their grandchildren born and living and grown up, maybe even getting into grandchildren at this point. This is their home. This is where their families live. Everything they know and everything they have is here. They've heard these prophecies of this far-off place from their parents and their grandparents. But I don't know that place. I know this place. I know these people. I know my family. They are even following the directions of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the exiles when they first went into exile. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. So they live in this way, within the background of their minds for 70 years, to prosper, to marry, to build homes, to build businesses, but expecting always in the back of their minds that God is going to fulfill that promise. But now it's happened. Now God is stirring them up. Stirring up their souls, stirring up their hearts, moving them to be part of the restoration of the temple. But he's sending them to a land they've not seen, most of them. The land that's been conquered, the land that's been ruined, and, and I have a, a map here of how far it is from Babylon to Jerusalem. That route, that in red, along that river, that's 1,700 miles. This isn't like going across the bridge, although sometimes it seems that long. <laughs> so with all that in mind, the, the, the question I have for you today is, would you go? Many of you are the age that I was just describing. If, if you were born in that land or were young and 70 years later, here you are. You've lived a long time. You have kids and grandkids and children and grandchildren houses, spouses, on and on, would you go? Would you answer the call? Would you answer that stirring? Maybe you've got a call in your life today. God is stirring in you and you're going, this one might be hard. I'm not sure if I want to go. Because not everybody went. Be sure of that. Not everybody followed God's heart that day. But in reality we talked about this red and the blue, the the weeping <clears throat> excuse me, the weeping and the joy. There's weeping and joy in that scene, I think. Weeping for leaving homes, friends, possessions. The place I know, safety, big deal there. Security, there probably almost is none. It's that blue. But then the red joy of answering God's call, of fulfilling God's promises, of knowing that the prophecies you've heard about your whole lives are now coming true. There's joy there. You know, life, is, life can be difficult, and this idea of red and blue making some shade of purple in your life as you follow God's call it reminded me of what Clint brought up, I think, last week or two weeks ago. But you may know, I've heard of the prosperity gospel where a preacher will tell you that if you follow Christ, all things will be wonderful. Your businesses will succeed. You'll have plenty of this and plenty of that. Well, certainly we know the end, everything will be wonderful and worth Christ again. The reality is when we answer God's call, it might be hard. There might be a good amount of blue with that red. Different shades of purple. And in chapter three, we see those that answer God's call. God steering up their spirits. They had they were provided for, and they went. They resettled in their home, old town, or their old family homes. And then they went to build an altar. But it says they were free, afraid of the people who inhabited the land. And if you can imagine, I'm living there for seventy years, and all of a sudden these people show up, and they expect to have their house back. That would be a problem. So they have security. Talk about security issues. There's danger there. But the first thing they did, it says, is they came together about three months after they got there. They came together as one body, and they rebuilt the altar. The altar was made of field stones. They would have to go get stones. There was to be no tools used on it. They would go get stones, and you can imagine stacking those stones, the sounds of stone hitting stone as they stacked it up. They did what what it says in the text in accordance with what was written with the law of Moses. And we can see, I just wanted to quickly show you a picture of the altar, what it would look like or where it would be. So that's the uh, temple when it's rebuilt. So uh, today we don't have that in our text. We don't have, we just have the foundation. But you can see there the altar and where it would be sitting In front of the temple, but the reason I think that they built this temple first—they gathered those stones in the field, they stacked them up, and came together—because this is a measure of their devotion to God. They were trying as hard as they could to follow the law, to follow the word of God, to follow what's prescribed to them as God's people. This was a sign of and a place of complete repentance. Of sorrow for sins, of changes of heart, of submitting to one's soul completely to God. This goes all the way back to Abraham, who we heard about in the fall. This was a spiritual junction between heaven and earth, between God and his people. This was a table of the Lord. This is a place where blue and red mix together weeping, and joy. So the people were rededicating themselves to God, remembering who they were, remembering their ancestors, remembering where they came from. And then they faced the task that lay ahead to rebuild the temple. So I tried to think in my mind this week, what's some type of illustration or correlation to that story? Of course, that story is so epic that I I don't have one in my back pocket. But I wondered if if a story similar would be if this place, if this church, if this sanctuary were destroyed maybe in a fire and there were just ruins left. And then Pastor Clint and the elders decided, you know what, even though there's no walls, there's no ceiling, we're still the one body of Christ and we're going to worship in this place and we came here to worship, what would we need? We would need the word of God. We proclaim that each week. We would need the font, baptism, the sign, the symbol of our rebirth in Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit. We would need the table, the table that symbolizes and shows the communion between all people that believe in Christ through the Holy Spirit. The communion, the spiritual being spiritually fed by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We would need those things. We come together as one. Come together in that moment, certainly, where there would be moments of weeping and moments of joy. And when the foundation of the temple had been laid, the, the people again desired to follow God's word. They followed what David had proclaimed and written. The priests and the Levites, they brought cymbals and they played cymbals and song and they they sang this to the Lord. Ezra 3.11. With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. He is good, his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people give a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord was laid. And his love, that God's love This word has said in in the Jewish faith, in Hebrew, this idea of covenantal love, love that no matter what, God will continue to love us, God will continue to undergird us, no matter what the circumstances, God's love is faithful. And we can appreciate the great celebration of the joy that is expressed. If we were to rebuild this sanctuary after something happened to it, there would be great joy, great song. Imagine the celebration we would have in this place with the organ playing again. But within that celebration of praise, we are told that the older priests, the ones who had seen the first temple, the Levites, the heads of the families, they wept aloud. They wept in grief and in lament. Why did they weep? Why did they express the color blue? Because lament has to do with remembering. Remembering how things were. They're remembering the the magnificence of the first temple, the temple that was built under Solomon, the richest king, the greatest king. Go back and read of his wealth in the Old Testament. They knew they weren't going to be able to match that, even though they could match the foundation size. These aren't the days of Solomon. Look around the ruins. They're remembering their ancestors, grieving for the things that they had done and not done that had brought them to this place. They're grieving because they remember that the first temple had had the Ark of the Covenant in it and the Holy of Holies, the holiest place of the temple. Now the ark is gone. It's lost. The temple, the Holy of Holies, would be empty. They're weeping because they remember what they loved, what they lost, and they were remembering or thinking about what will never quite be the same again. But we also learn that some shouted for joy. They had a different perspective. I'm imagining that they were younger folks without so much to remember, without so much potential for lamenting. They had hope in the future, they had hope in God's promises, they had heard for their, from their parents and their grandparents that about this day when we would return, it's here. And they see that foundation of the temple and now we know what we can build upon. And the scripture tells us they both made so much noise, there was so much blue and red in the air, weeping and joy, that you couldn't tell which was which. It was this day of maybe an even shade of purple, so we could say. As we live our lives today, certainly we answer God's call, God's stirring up of our souls and our spirits. We're here this morning because God has stirred us. You stirred up our spirits to profess God as God, the Holy One. We profess our Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior. And in the season of Advent, culture may want us to kind of express only joy. I mentioned earlier that I went shopping yesterday. I don't like to go shopping. (laughs) But I heard music constantly. And the music was always happy. Let's not grieve, us just be happy, but that's not the truth. The truth is that in Advent, there are sounds of weeping and there are shouts of joy. There is blue and there is red mixing together. So when we reside in that blue color, maybe we weep because the world is broken. We see all the damage that's being done in our world. This world that doesn't, many don't know Christ. We weep because we still wait for his promised return. When, Lord? We weep as we remember a loss we've experienced or that we're potentially seeing that we're going to experience. We weep for that loss. We weep simply because maybe things will never be what they were, they'll never be what they used to be. We remember. But in vibrant red, we can also express shouts of joy because indeed God was born in the flesh. God's promise of a Messiah coming to earth was fulfilled in the person of Jesus, offering everyone salvation from their sins and eternal life and reconciliation with God. We shout for joy for that. We shout for joy because we know indeed Christ will return. He'll make everything new, bring everything whole again. And we shout for joy because of the Holy Spirit that joins us together as a church, And the work that God continues to do in this place. So sounds of weeping, shouts of joy, blue and red combining in Advent. So my question for you as we get close to the end here is how much of each are you expressing right now? How is the blue and the red mixing in your life? Certainly, everyone has some blue and some red. Maybe your weeping and joy are equal amounts like they were that day at the temple. Maybe you're weeping, your blue overpowers your red, and you just are in a season of lament. And that purple is a strong shade of blue. Maybe you've got a lot of joy, thankfulness. And that purple is a shade of red, thankfully. But wherever you sit with that this morning, I want you to know this, and I think this is an important thing for the body of Christ to remember, that whether you're in a blue spectrum at this point or the red, we are all here to minister to one another. We're one church, united by Christ as the body. Thankful, I'm thankful for that. as It's talked about having a church family, people who are blue who need people are red to give them a hand, Listen, silent, pray for them. Let's do that together. And know that we can we can have that confidence. Because underneath us is a foundation. They had the foundation of the temple that day that that they had built. Well, we have the foundation built in Jesus Christ. Foundation that will not move, will not change, will not wear away, will not break. So even where we are in our lives, whether it's blue or red or some combination. Know that Jesus Christ is the foundation of your life that you can build upon. And be sure that whenever the storms come or the sun is shining, both your house will stand. We are the people of hope because of that. And, we, and because of that, in all circumstances, we can sing or we'll say together the same words that those people said as they looked at that new foundation of the temple, the second temple. You put the words up, Ian. Let's say this together. He is good. His love and mercy toward us endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit that's in each one of us. Lord, I pray that that spirit continues to act on us, that the word that was read and preached today has an effect on our lives as we desire more than anything to continually to be changed and molded to be more like Christ. Lord, we pray and thank that we have a church family here that is indeed one body of Christ, and I pray that wherever people sit, whether it's deep blue or red, purples that are red, Lord, I pray that we can minister to one another, show the love of Christ to one another, know that always under any circumstances, You are the foundation, unshakable foundation of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.